0: Amen. We're going to be coming out of Luke chapter 8. We're going to begin at verse 4. One day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate at it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, Anyone who has anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach to others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed of God's word, the seeds that fell on the footpath, represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represented those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away. When they face uh, temptation, the seeds that fell among the thorns, thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too soon, all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil did you all hear that? On the good soil, represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Let us go before the throne of grace. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, thanking and praising you for who you are. You said in your word, where two or three are gathered in your name, you would be in the midst. And we just praise you for being in the midst of of this worship service for sitting with us for uh, using the Holy Spirit to open our minds to open our hearts hear what the message is today and Lord we ask that each one of us be that environment that soil of good ground that your word will take root and do and manifest what we would need to do in this life these days we ask and pray in Jesus name amen
1: how about the worship, huh? And the Word? How about the worship and the Word? I hate to be a cheerleader, but I was like, just back there, just rocking out. Um, I'm always amazed by God, and I'm so excited to kind of start a new year. And I know it's cheesy to kind of do a New Year's message on New Year's Eve, but what I can tell you this is just as a human being, as a decision scientist, as a teacher, as somebody who just lives we live in cycles. We live in seasons, right? We all know that, right? Beginning of school year starts a whole new thing, right? And the beginning of the year starts a whole new thing. In fact, we tell people all over the world when we're talking to them about what God showed us about discipleship. The best time to start a discipleship group is, is in February because everybody's kind of got out all the holidays. They've sent their family home. Okay, and um, no, we love you. And they sent their family home. Everything's kind of settled down. And if you start in February, you miss all the vacation, right? Because that's another cycle we face, right? Spring comes, we start getting antsy, we have summer, we go out, we do stuff. So you can look at this and you could go like, I guess it's kind of cheesy, but I, I don't know. I'm just going to leverage this. I can't help but think towards the end of the year where I'm going to be headed. And it's different for me now. Um, now I'm planning to die. Um, so, <laughs> uh, no, seriously. So I'm really, I don't, I'm not that old, I don't act that old, and there's people who I I could have another 20 years based on the people in this church, and it's awesome. But my, my, the kids are out, they have their own houses, Amber and I are now thinking about things like, you know, uh, how we feed ourselves one day when we're old and you throw us to the road. Uh, We're thinking about, uh, we're thinking about things like, you know, what legacy do we leave, who leads this place when I get hit by a truck or die of old age, whatever it is, we just have a different perspective. And, and the New Year's become even just a little more thing. I, how can you not? Well, you're stuffing turkey and lasagna and treats in your face. How can you not think about what you're going to do in January to remediate the problem that's building around your waist, right? And everybody knows this. They market it to us. They market diets. They, it all comes in cycles. So I just, I just want to stop today and just take a breath. Like, I just want to take a breath, and I want to get ready to do something really incredible, in 24. Uh, We said at Christmas, do more in 24. You may already be in a great place, and man, praise God for that. You may have some things you need to work out. It's okay. You can get it. But I just want to be a better Doug at the end. Like when we're here this time in 2024, I want to stand before you just a better guy. So what I want to do is lean into the idea of something new. And where I want to start is with the scripture that Duane read to you. It's called the parable of the sower. And it's all about God. It's all about God throwing out the good news, throwing out hope, throwing out love, throwing out forgiveness, throwing out everything we need to know, even practical stuff like don't co-sign loans and don't be lazy and work hard. Practical tips for every day along with big concepts like salvation and forgiveness. And it's about the farmer throwing out this seed, the word of God, the words that we're reading that he read. And I love that we're reading scripture more at the beginning of services. I just love to have it read over me. You know what I mean? Like to just proclaim it before God. But this parable, right, is all about the farmer and the seed and the soil, right? It's all about the farmer, the seed, and the soil. And and normally when I teach this, I I focus, I guess, I just intuitively, naturally have more of a discipleship focus. So I'm like looking in at you and I'm saying, kind of, what type of soil are you? (laughs) And how can you get from this soil? To good soil. There's no, you, you don't want to go from pathway to rocky, bad move. You don't want to go rocky to thorns, bad move. Rock, you know, pathway to, to thorns. You want to get to this idea of fertile soil, right? And so I've, I've always taught this kind of with this idea that fertile soil that yields great crops has to be plowed. So in, in, in the realm of your life or spiritual life, just think of it this way, what, what plows us? It was a couple things. Truths that challenge us, trials that we face, and tests that we really need to pass in life, right? And so the idea is if, if I want to have a fertile life, then I've got to allow God, right, in all my circumstances to till up that ground to break me. Like I really want to put on the sign, Three Taverns Church full of broken people, you'll fit here. Because that's where we really get to is when we realize... We don't have it all down pat. We take God really seriously, and we don't take our circumstances, us, too seriously. We allow ourselves to be self-aware, right? In fact, you could put it this way. We said plowed, seeded, and watered. You could say this. Self-awareness leads to surrender, right? Like when you're at the bottom of the barrel and you're willing to take advice from anybody, you know, Oprah, anybody, right? Okay, so that self-awareness leads to surrender, and surrender leads to this fancy spiritual word called sanctification. And sanctification is actually a really cool concept because what it means is that my outward life begins to line up with what my inside believes, that God is good, he loves me, he forgives me. So if I'm insecure and I have a bunch of issues, those get replaced with the fact that God loves me, he created me, and he believes in me. No matter what the world says, right? So you get this idea that if I surrender myself to his principles... And I invest, you know, he has investment rules in that book called the Bible. If I invest, if I work, if I raise my kids, if I live in my marriage and other relationships with these principles in God's word, that he'll just totally, entirely set me free. And then when I face those trials that break me up again and make me more fertile again, the idea here is if I'm faithful to what I've already learned and don't forget where I came from, I'm going to go even further. And then eventually I become fertile soil. So, So you could say it another way. Brokenness leads to being teachable. And teachable leads to us adjusting our lives to these eternal truths that every time anyone applies them ends up with a better life. Every time. You find me somebody who's, even if they're not saved, find me somebody who's applying the eternal truths from the Bible. I believe they're spiritual physics. And, you, and I'll show you somebody who's, who's doing better at school. Somebody who's dealing with cliques and gossip. Getting it out of their lives and distancing themselves from the people who drag them down, people who are fixing relationships, maybe getting out of them, repairing them, whatever it is, and they're moving forward with God into this fruitful, fertile soil. So You could say um, all of those things, and they also like, okay, well, I'm in. But I have this teacher that I love listening to. His name's C.J. Johnson. He's a, a teacher. He's the lead teacher at Northview Church in Indianapolis, one of the churches that's like a partner church with us in discipleship. And I was listening to one of his messages, and man, it's so cool to me that God takes different kinds of teachers and puts different nuances on the same scripture. We both have the same end goal, which is fertile soil. We both have the same end goal, getting out of these maybe lesser bad soils. We all have the end goal of transformation. We want people to get everything out of their life, but I love the twist that CJ put on it. And what CJ did was this. Instead of looking at soils, he used this word seasons, and he identified four seasons that we face in our lives, four very distinct seasons, and they all relate to the soils, right? So you have the pathway, and you, the pathway season, the rocky season, the thorny season, and the fertile season. And today, as we just kind of look at God's word and peel it apart, I want you to kind of ask yourself, maybe what season I'm in. And look for a solution in that season to propel you to being more fertile, to getting more out of your relationship with God, to getting more out of life, to having more peace, joy, love, to get there. So let's just jump in. Season one, the pathway season. I don't know if you ever thought about how a pathway is created, but a pathway is created by what? Being walked on, (laughs) right? Just trodden down, beaten down, correct? Yeah? How many of you have had that happen in your life? Yeah, so if you're at the pathway season, you, you probably have some pain. You probably have some bitterness. And, and believe it or not, what those do to us without us knowing it is they give us a hard heart. So we, be, we become trodden down, and, and, and I hate it if you've been at this place. I've been at this place, so here's hope you can get out of it. But I've been at this place where I've been trodden on by Christians and family members and would-be associates at business. I've just been pummeled down to where my heart becomes hard. I become a cynic. It doesn't matter what you say to me. I don't believe it. I question everything, right? And there's really no hope for change when I'm in that place. Here's the key. There's only one way out of that place, and it's not by somebody setting you free. It's by you making one single choice, and that is to forgive. I know, I get it, I get it. People always say, you gotta forgive them. I'm like, you have no idea. And honestly, I have no idea. Whatever you're facing, whatever made made your heart hard, if you're in this season, I have no idea what that is. But what I do know is this, the way out is always forgiveness. That's not saying that what they did to you when you were a kid or at work or your best friend or in your marriage is right. It's not saying that, that, that they were justified. It's not saying you are okay with it. What it's saying is this. I don't want to live as a victim. I don't want to live in a life where I am the one who's been trodden down and my heart is hurt, and the only way to break up that soil is forgiveness. And what forgiveness says is this. You owe me nothing. I'm moving on. <laughs> I owe you nothing. You owe me nothing. I've got to let this go. That is the past I will not be controlled by it. I will not be a victim to it. So if you're in this pathway phase where you're, you're, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? All relationships are bad because this relationship was bad. All love is bad because this one cheated on me. All churches are bad because these people were boneheads. You know what I mean? Like all teachers are bad because this guy you know, had an affair. Whatever it is, all bosses are bad, all kids are bad. Whatever it is, when you get to that hardened, bitter state Bitterness is what you own. And by the way, just as a, as a key, you know the person who did it to you isn't thinking about it every day. They've moved on to more distraction. The only one who's captive is you. And so the choice here is just to say, I forgive you. So if you're in the season of life, the pathway season of your spiritual growth or life growth, you need to lean in on forgiveness. Like that needs to be your focus in the season to move to fertile soil. You need to just look and say, I got to work through this. Maybe you need a counselor. Maybe you need somebody to sit with you spiritually. We're here. Whatever it is, maybe you just need a friend or maybe you just need, if you're an introvert, some quiet time where you make one simple choice, which is this. My past is not going to dictate my future. I am going to become fertile soil. They owe me nothing. I owe them nothing. That is the past. I'm moving on. The second season of life is the rocky season. Oh, wait, I want to give you the scripture. Can I give you a scripture? It's just like, I love the scripture. It's so helpful. It was written through a prophet, Isaiah, to the people who are in captivity. And they were in captivity, by the way. Sometimes when we're in pain and hardened, it's our own fault. And it was their fault. A whole nation of them went off into captivity. They're living in captivity. And in the middle of all their distress, and they're like, oh, we're never going to make it. It's horrible. God said these words to them. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This is who our God is. He's like, I get it. You did it. You're there. Somebody did it to you. You're there. There is a way out. And and, and that way out is forgiveness. You know, Jesus said that we love because he first loved us. Like, in other words, I, you, you all, if, if you grew up in a, cruddy family, sorry, but if you did, I don't want to be sad at the beginning of the year, but if you did and nobody really loved you and nobody hugged you and it wasn't that expression, it's hard to learn how to do that. Let's just be honest and accept that and be okay with it. It's a difficult skill to learn as an adult. But if you are held and loved, they say between years one and five is where all this formation happens and you're held and you're loved and you're appreciated, corrected, but affirmed. If that was your existence, it's very easy to extend that to your kids and to the people around you. We love because we've been loved. That's how we learn to love. We receive it. Same thing with forgiveness. He forgave us of everything. We get into heaven, he is not going to play a film and go, at age 5, at age 13, at age, and then I forgave you. No. He's just going to go, come on in. He's done. You owe him nothing. He owes you nothing. Done deal. And that's how you forgive. We forgive because we've been forgiven. And it's a decision that we make. Right. All right. Rocky season, rocky, rocky season. So the rocky season is usually accompanied by a lot of bad habits, right? Too much cheesecake, <laughs> too much gossip, too much, right, it's, it's that, or not enough exercise or whatever. It, so you have all these physical symptoms, but even spiritually we have it too, right? Like, I just, like I'm just not there. I know that there's stuff that needs to get out of my life and stuff that needs to get in my life, right? and I just got these rocks, and they're just in my way because I have so many rocks, I can't get them out of the field, and so nothing can get deep roots, right? So we always talk around here about the three ways to sin. You do a don't, right? Like don't sleep with your neighbor's wife, don't murder. You don't do a do. Love, be gracious, be gentle, be sharing. So you, you do a don't, or you don't do a do, or you do a doubt, you just wildly guess, and you end up going, I totally blew this. These are the three ways to sin, right? And these are the rocks in our field. So the question is, like, how do I get those rocks out of my life? Well, number one, you need to hear this message. You can do this. Millions of people before you have figured out how to get rid of the rocks in their field. And you know, you're probably thinking right now of a rock in your field, right? One of my big rocks right now is, is just exhaustion, right? So somebody yell out, what's the solution to exhaustion? Sleep. Sleep. But there's a bigger, it's a shorter word, rest, because that gets it all in there, right? Like put your feet up, enjoy your family, smell the roses, right? Here's another one of the big rocks in my life. I'm not uh, exercising. You know, if it weren't for the fact that I have the metabolism of a hummingbird, I'd be as big as a house. Like I would just be like, maybe you think I am, don't tell me. Okay, good. But, I, but I'm not doing, like I, I used to do yoga and Pilates and a bunch of stuff. And you're like, what? Because I have a broken back. And so I'm living in pain again after 20 years because it's been a busy year. And so what's the solution to that? No, nah, not rest. What's the solution? What? Yeah, I got I to gotta, I gotta work out. I got to start doing those things again. So I need to make what? Time. You get it. So when you're in this rocky season of life, even though those are kind of practically kind of things, spiritually speaking, if you want to get the garbage out, right, the don'ts, and want to get the do's in, right, and plow out the fields, stop doing doubts, the thing that we really need to do is to hear the message that we can do this. And the thing that's going to set you free in this is going to be the principles. And I know this is going to sound corny, but I just love the word of God. And so if you're offended by that, I'm sorry, but I have looked at these principles, like, you know, do this, don't do this. And every time I follow them, I end up in this crazy place. We walked away from uh, profit careers into ministry uh, 30 years ago. Just, we were young, 30 years ago. Walked in, gave up big salaries and big bucks to follow God. And yet we live in this house that every, it, literally, I don't know that a day goes by that when Amber and I stop to pray before our meal, usually it's dinner we share, that we, one of us doesn't say, you know, God, just thank you for everything. Like, we're just, just spoiled, rotten. And it's illogical. But, but that happens by just surrendering yourself, not being materialistic, being smart. All those principles came from God's word. Look at our kids. Like I always talk about our kids, right? You know, but our kids, they own houses, they have jobs and they're not on drugs. Right? They're very clear about their identity in Christ and on this earth. I don't, they're just, right? It's like low maintenance, right? I don't have all this stress and oh, what did I do wrong? I mean, there's plenty I did wrong, but but we did. But but the point is, you know, they're kind of there. Well, the principles that we raised them on were the principles in the Bible. Uh, two big ones. One, if you pump truth in along the way instead of at a Bible study, just when it applies, you teach them. Like they make a mistake, and you go, "Hey, you, you don't discipline." Wait, did you know this? And you teach them the principle. That means I have to know it, but I teach them the principle. the The second big one was this. There's a verse in the Bible that says, "Don't exasperate your children." You yell at your kids. I was yelled at. I love my dad. But we were kids, he was not as skilled at this whole parenting thing. And he he grit his teeth and grind him, you know that noise? You're like, oh, we're gonna die. So there was a lot of stress, there was a lot of this, and he exasperated us. We felt like we couldn't get there. So, you know, forgive me, Dad. But the, the point is, is is he got beyond it. So those two principles just totally Guided, And so it can be this way for you and a bunch of other people could tell you a thousand stories about how if they just take these principles in God's word and apply them, they work like they're just eternal principles. So if you're in the rocky season of your spiritual growth or life, what you need to lean in on is freedom. And what you need to realize about this is this. God's words were not written to trap you, to take from you or to destroy you. They were written to set you free free from the things that hold you in bondage, free from bad decisions, free from mistakes. In other words, you don't have to go through life guessing. You can actually know what you need to know. It's in an 1,800-page book. It's called The Bible. Everybody's like, ah, it's boring. I'll read it. I promise you, you give me one year of your life, I'll make you love that book. Because I found a way to read it where I actually get stuff out that actually is immediately useful that makes my life better. Got it? Sets me Free. All right. Let me give you three messages, uh, or one message of hope here. I love this scripture. I have been crucified with Christ. Paul writes, "It is no longer I who live, but Christ who what lives in me. And that life I now live in the flesh. I live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself what for me. So, in other words, He solved my sin problem. He brought me the word. He brought me the seed." And I can live a fertile life. If I continue in faith in him, he promises me that if I'll work with him, he will help me get conformed to his image. And he rocks. He rose from the dead. He's the ruler of the earth. He never sinned. And he was so sinking smart. That's my hope. You and I can live in that kind of freedom. All right. So we have the pathway season. We have the rocky season, then we have the thorny season. And I'm sure that some of you are living in this. I know that I have and, and still sometimes wrestle with it. And what it all comes down to is this, what? The busyness of life, right? It does, it, when you're so busy that you can't stop to hear a good message, a good truth, or somebody giving you advice on how to get out, when you're that busy, right, when you're that busy, nothing works right. It just all gets choked out. We say things like, well, I just don't have time to. Well, you don't understand. We invite people to this one-year transformational journey called discipleship, but it's just like you spend a year. That's where we show you how to read the Bible really cool. And, and so we, we invite them to this, and anytime time somebody steps out, Almost all the time, it's because of busy. Busy work, busy life, busy kids. And you're like, but your spiritual life is so important. How about you just go like, you're not playing on that team. <laughs> or, or you divide and conquer. That's what Amber and I do. We take our life and divide and conquer. She goes, does one thing, I go the other. And then we have time together because we get more done. But whatever it is, it comes down to this issue of just the priorities in my life. And whether or not I see those as Manageable. Am I, we're back to victim almost mentality, right? Am I slave to my boss? Am I a slave to to the church? Am I a slave to my kids? Am I a slave to my calendar? Or do I actually have some control over that? Well, the truth is we do have control over it through a thing called choice. It's what makes us different really than dogs and plants. In all of creation, we were given the ability to make choices. We could evaluate options and we could execute choices, right? So if, if you're in this season of life, what you need to do is kind of look ahead. Like you want to look ahead. Don't look at this. You've already figured this out. The world is going to have trials and challenges, right? So don't look at this. Look at that. It, business people say, right, your attitude determines your altitude. So, so go look at where you want to get to and set your course on that and just live through all this stuff. Like apply his principles, find freedom and forgiveness and get to this goal out here. So you want to be looking down the road and looking beyond temptation and beyond trials. Like if you really have a plan to get here and you have a problem with lust, then take your Google Chrome browser and put it on a uh, two-year-old mode. That's what mine's on. Like, some of my friends are like, God, these images that just pop up. Like, and then they, you, they appeal to your flesh. It could be like cheesecake or, you know, nudie girls, whatever it is. And they just pop up, and I'm like, don't you know, you, you don't have to do that. Like, if you just set your browser to two-year-old level, you don't see that. Yeah, but I might miss other stuff. Yeah, really not. There's already too much out there anyway. Do you get it? So it's like, can I make choices to, to can I make a priority in all the busyness of this life to make and set time aside? And, and so, right, in, you found forgiveness, right, on the pathway, and you began to find freedom as the rocks are removed from the soil. And then now anything can grow, and the thorns grow up in the busy life. And, and the key here is this. When you're in the thorny season of life, what you need to lean into is faithfulness. So If that word doesn't make sense, think of it this way. She's faithful to me, or he's faithful to me. What does that mean? I don't sleep around. I didn't choose somebody else. I don't flirt with another person. I'm, I'm in this relationship, and I'm faithful right? Uh, Think of it in a works perspective. Faithful, to show up on time. I always show up on time. Faithful. I make decisions that make me a great worker. Uh, My dad poured this into me. We're talking a lot about dad. I've been missing him a lot lately. Dad uh, poured this one into me. It was just always like this. Son, because this was during his rough days. Son, you get sick on Saturday and Sunday. You're never sick Monday to Friday. Never. They would have fought with him on the COVID thing, I guess. But my dad was like, no, like, dude, you just suck it in and you go to work because you got a job. And you need to make money and you owe them something. So if you're not if you're not in the hospital, if you're not dead and dying, you go to work. And I mean, I can't tell you how that changed my life, because when it comes to Sundays, you may not know this, but like, it's a big day for me. Not I have the responsibility to teach, but I have the responsibility to be here so that like when Caleb brings a friend, so he's got a friend. I have the responsibility to be here because when we're all together, we're stronger. It rocks. Was worship not great? Thank God for, yeah, yeah, right. Thank God for all the hours of work they put in picking and learning songs. Do, do, you, under, do you get it? So, so whether you know it or not, Amber and I watch what I eat on Fridays and Saturdays so that I don't get derailed for Sundays. I get up super early because I got a whole morning Ritual, sure. Some of you have it. I've made too much information, but you get it. In other words, is this so important? So, what is it? It's faithful, faithful, faithful to the principles of God's word, right? So, in the thorny season of spirituality, I take all of, all those, the freedom, right, the forgiveness, the principles, and I put them into play and I faithfully execute them. I would say this: work the system because it works. If the Three scriptures came to mind when I was just having a great time putting this all together. And here they are. Colossians 3, 2 says this. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth. Right? Look out there. Not here. Right? When you're, when you all that temptation, all that stuff, just get your eyes off it. Move beyond it. Get it out of your life. You got to get rid of friends? Get rid of friends. There's new friends. I'll be your friend. I'm, I'm not the best. I'm kind of busy, and what, but I will. But at least I won't take you somewhere you don't want to go. I love this one. All too quickly, the message, this comes from the parable that Dwayne read. All too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And so they never go spiritually. How many people are so busy trying to pay for that boat? Right? We've all been there. That we don't have time to just stop and be with our family. To stop and, and, and read God's Word, that book that has all these life-saving principles, all these great things that are designed to set us free, we're just too busy. We're worried about retirement. We're worried about school. We're worried about grades. We're worried about where we're going to go to college, what we're going to do after high school. We're worried about this job that's not paying us enough. We're worried if we can find a job. We're worried about this relationship. And all these cares, and they all just pile in, and they choke out God's Word. But what happens? What if we just set those aside, looked above them, and said, "You know, you know God, I need help. And you show me these principles, I'm going to execute these principles faithfully. I'm going to do with my money the stuff that you said. If I did it, it would reward me. I'm going to do with my kids the stuff that you said it, it would do. I'm going to do with my work what you said. I'm going, to, I'm, going to do, I'm going to be faithful to this faith that I have in you, faithfulness. And, of course, the classic, they teach all the kids. Seek ye first the kingdom of God in his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Which brings us to the last soil, the fertile soil. The soil we'd all like to be, right? How would you like to go to work and get a 100 times more reward than what you put in? Anybody? <laughs> Nobody? Really? I, oh, somebody in the back. Two people in the back. Oh, three, four. So the rest of you, what do you want to do? You want? Wh- give me your boss's phone number. Someone tell me to give you a pay cut. Because you go to work to earn money, kids. Yeah, it's a mission field. Yeah, you can make friends. Yeah, it keeps you from being idle and getting in trouble. But really, at the end of the day, we're going to work to what? Make money. And a lot of us think, if I won the lottery or retired, but do you know what happens to people when they retire, right? No offense. There's only a couple I know who this doesn't happen to. They start slowing down, and they die. The only people who make it are the people, when they retire, who throw themselves into something worthwhile. Relationships, friendships, missions, church, I remember, like, so many people, great. We used to have Sunday school a long time ago, and I remember these great older silver-haired champions, men and women, who would just pour into my children. These are the people who stayed alive. The other people just... Nah. This idea of being fertile soil gives us these ideas. When, it, when I'm fertile soil, I have purpose. And I begin to think about things like leaving a legacy, Right? Just leaving a legacy legacy, and just being abundant and even more abundant than ever before. And what I want to tell you is if you're at this place in your life, you need to enjoy it. Like this was the whole target. Jesus came. He said that you might have life and have it abundantly. So when you actually make it, like when you get it right, party. Enjoy it. Enjoy the love, the peace. Enjoy the unconditional forgiveness. Enjoy the friendships. Enjoy the freedom you found by making decisions. I love using God as an excuse. Like, go ahead. Ask me if you can borrow money. No. There is a principle in God's words that says no. Are you really desperate for money? Just say yes. Play along. Say yes. Then I'll give you money. See what happens when I follow God's principles and I give her money. There's nothing that's going to ruin our friendship. I give her a gift. I'm free. She's free. How cool is God? He's not limiting me by telling me not to loan. He's setting me free. He's setting you free. Do you get it? Good. Ask me to go on a date. No, absolutely not. You're a harlot. No, I'm sorry. Just kidding. I'm sorry. It was straight out of Proverbs. He says... Look at the woman temptress and call her for what she is, a harlot, right? So so you get the idea. Like, I just love using God as an excuse. This is the beauty of fertile soil, right? This is the beauty of fertile soil. When your kids whine, deny them for a long time whatever they whine for. Why? Because the biblical principle is, They're getting focused on meeting their needs with stuff rather than getting their needs met with love and forgiveness and acceptance. And by the way, the Bible teaches that kids need boundaries. Do you know why kids disobey, right? I'm giving you the secret to life. You won't use it to fix your life. But now you're going to know our strategy. Kids are constantly pushing the boundaries because they're trying to find love. Go listen to Dr. James Dobson stuff. I think he's passed away. His organization does the best job on this. People push for boundaries because we need them. Boundaries communicate care. Boundaries communicate future, hope, love. Boundaries are important. Some kids just push for boundaries, I know, the small portion, because they're brats. a Hem Hemamen. And save them from making mistakes they should not make. So for me, it's just like, it's just the abundant life. Just enjoy it. Enjoy what you've learned. Enjoy what he's given you. But there's a little different angle to it. Because now that I've been blessed with all this time, this talent, these treasures, the thing that God calls me to do is to spread the abundance. Right? To take that abundance and share it. Share the truth. Share the wealth. Share the, what? Grace. Share the fun. Share the solutions. Share everything, share, well, it kind of sounds like what? When I, my field's fertile and it's 100 times the crop, I got a ton of seed, and I actually can become like God and start chunking the good news everywhere. Onto the path, onto the rocky soil, into the thorns, hoping they get it, and onto other fertile fields, and we all become more powerful together. If you're in the fertile season of spirituality, you need to lean in on fruitfulness. The law of fruitfulness is this. For every plant you plant that comes to maturity and bears fruit, you get hundreds, if not thousands, of plants. Listen to these scriptures. Give freely and become wealthy, be stingy and lose everything. Now that is so backwards to what we hear in every ad, on every Facebook, from every leader. But I just want to tell you, this is the truth. I have tested this and found this to be true. There are other people who have tested This is God's economy. It is backwards. You cannot outgive God, whether you're giving love, grace, teaching, or money. You cannot outgive him. When he sees you take what he gave you in wisdom and you give it away, guess what happens? You get smarter. He gives you more. You become more you plant more, you plant more, they grow, they plant more. We want to change the world, we want to change our world, fruitfulness, this is where we're at. If we're in the season of life, of fertile soil, man, mean, we just need to enjoy the crop, spread the crop, share the crop, and work with God's economy. And then Paul again says in 2 Corinthians, And God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over so he's in this passage he's like don't be stingy like be gracious if you need something if they need something show love give it to them invest help missionaries whatever take care of your neighbor take care of your family don't try to keep it give it away when you give it away God will give you more to meet the needs when you prove yourself to do with God's stuff because that it is all his stuff he invented money right so he gave me the ability to work I go work hard I get money when I am willing to invest that in his people, in his mission, he makes a promise that he will hundredfold anything I give to him. That's a promise, just like this crop thing. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. All right, so we have four seasons, right? Four seasons. We have the path in which we need to lean into forgiveness. We have the rocky soil where we need to lean into freedom. We have the thorny season where we need to lean into faithfulness to just choke those thorns out, get rid of them, clear them out. And then we have the fertile season where we lean in to just leveraging our fruitfulness for not our enjoyment, everybody around us in the good of the world. But I have this question for you. If you think about this parable, it was called the parable of the sower. which means it's about God who throws the seed. And the problem with the first three soils are what? One's trodden down and packed, trapped in bitterness and all this stuff. The other one's rocky and it's got all these problems and things. The God could solve it like this, right? could just solve it like this. And then you have the thorns. I mean, he's a good farmer. Why doesn't he go in and just whew, cut down the thorns, plow up the fields, break up the path, get the rocks out, water it, you know, put some fertilizer on it, and let the crop grow. Like, that's our really real question. And if you think about it, it's a question we always like, why God? Why didn't you? Why don't you? Why why'd you allow? Right? This is a very real question. When you're, when you're on the pathway season, when you're in the rocky season, when you're in the thorny season, it's very easy to look across the fence into the fertile field and go, why? Let me tell you an eternal truth. The reason that the farmer, God, doesn't fix the path, doesn't remove the rocks, and doesn't cut down the thorns is because God is a God of eternal respect. And it's not his field. See, He owns this field. This field surrendered to him. This field has said, I want to go your way. This field is willing to let some be plowed. This field has is, is accepted forgiveness. It's, it's begun to find freedom through his truths. It's been faithful to him. He keeps plowing and fertilizing. This field is his. This is his field to work in. Now, Amber and I lived out where there are farms. If you stepped over the fence and began plowing some other guy's field, you're going to get in some serious trouble. God doesn't own those fields. So sometimes, like, when we're just doing all this, we're asking all these questions, like maybe you're in that pathway season or you're in that rocky season, that thorny season. Maybe um, the reason that God may not be doing the work of fruitfulness in your life is that you haven't surrendered to him. You haven't sold him the field of your life. You haven't asked for the help. I promise you, if you do, you'll get far more than any money you're making and far more respect than anything you're earning on your own. You'll solve your insecurity problems because there's just nothing like being backed by the eternal creator of the universe, the savior of the world, the one who rose from the dead and having his spirit in you to to remind you what to do and what not to do and to give you the strength to be faithful, to actually do this work inside of me that I can't even explain how it gets done. That produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Jesus said it this way. He said, you know, that he who tries to you know, keep his soul will lose his soul, but the one who what, gives his soul will, will gain the world. We were designed by God to operate with him, his principles, his spirit inside of us. So maybe just consider, if you're going, why not? Or you're just tired of it. Maybe it's time to sell the field to him for the first time or to <laughs> vacate the property you already sold and let him have <laughs> it back. Let him get in there, let him plow, let him work, work with him, be willing. And so I just want to tell you how to do that this morning. Let me tell you how to do that this morning. If it's the very first time, all you have to do is say to yourself, well, actually to him, I need help. Been farming this field, hasn't worked really well. I got paths, I got rocks, I got thorns, little crops here and there. I would like the master farmer to come fix my farm and show me how to farm and make me fertile. I want my life in 2024 to yield so much more fruit than it did in 2023. If you're one of those people who you sold your field to God like when you're 13 or 20 and now something happened and you're just you've taken over again, you're not letting him plow, you're not using his principles, you're not living in freedom, you're trapped in bitterness. Maybe it's time to just go, hey, uh, I just found this deed in the drawer where I gave my life to you. I want to go back there. That was pretty good. I want to hit the restart button. (laughs) And, And then I can't help but think what this means for us as a church in 2024. Can you imagine if we all operated out of forgiveness, freedom, faithfulness, and fruitfulness? What could happen in our families? What could happen in our neighborhoods? What could happen in this community? If everybody who encountered us encountered fertile soil. Fruitful people. Yielding great crops. When they saw that, they'd want it. When they tasted it because we gave them taste. Because we were there when they needed it. What could happen? I can only imagine. That's where I'm headed in 2024. And I truly, truly, truly hope that you will go with me. Father, man, I love you. And I love what you've done in my life. I love what you've done in my wife. I love what you've done in our relationship. I love what you've done with the kids. I love, Father, this season we're actually, you know... In, in a physical sense, I'm actually at a, a season where people don't normally start things. And I'm thankful for the new starts in my life. And I just, I just, I want, I, I, I'm not even have to drag it out of the drawer. God, the deeds on the wall, you've got my life. And I want to do something new this year with you. I want to work where you work. I want to change. I want to, I want to win my neighborhood. I, in my neighborhood, they're really old because we got one of those neighborhoods, and, 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 and we need some fire insurance, God, and, and I need the words. I just wanna, I want to do something new. There's never not enough new. You're always doing new things, and whenever we surrender to you and follow you and go where you're at, we get to do it, and I'm just super excited about that. Father, let these words transform us are your words through your spirit as Dwayne opened us with prayer. Father, man, just inspire us and let us be tilled. In Jesus' name, amen.